Many years ago, there was a young man who stood before the congregation that I was in and uh, just looked at us for a, for a while. He caught our attention and uh, then he said, it's a pleasure to look into the faces of God's people. I, I feel the same way this morning. Uh, I uh, thought at the time maybe uh, there was some theatrics involved in the young man's uh, action. I think I should have learned something from him that day. <laughs> and uh, now I, uh, I feel that. It's a privilege to be a part of God's family and to look into the faces of God's people and to feel their support and love. That's a privilege. And so I greet you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, my message this morning uh, might be a little bit uh, scatterbrained or... Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll do my best, uh, <clears throat> but uh, uh, I've, I've entitled it uh, "Sheep Among Wolves." And uh, but uh, let me introduce uh, what I'm going to speak about. Uh, <clears throat> I, I hope you're not weary of being talked to about uh, politics and the pa pandemic and. Uh, all those things, I, I'm going to address that just a little bit here and try to relate the word to it. Uh, I've uh, heard a lot of the conspiracy theories and so on. I haven't, uh, I haven't bought into them, okay? Uh, I, uh, I don't like masks, I don't like to wear them, but... Uh, you know, if the government says wear them, I will. Uh, not a big thing. Some time ago, not too long ago, had a nasty cold. And uh, one morning at church, uh, now it happened to be on a Wednesday evening, communion service at Mabel. And uh, I had to cough, and I didn't want to cough, and I had some cough drops, some menthol cough drops in my uh, pocket, and I took one of them. It's not a good experience to suck menthol cough drops behind a mask. I, I can tell you that. <laughs> but I survived. Uh, the other day uh, in the mail, I got a letter. Uh, uh, addressed to the Bethesda congregation. They didn't know, I guess, who the pastor was, but must have got my name somewhere. And so uh, I got the letter. I, in fact, uh, it's in my trash can now. I didn't pass it on, but, uh, but I did read it, okay? And uh, the, the letter was uh, addressed to the Bethesda congregation from some organization down in Northern Virginia or some congregation or I, I it was a little ambiguous who it was from but uh, they were urging us to vote get the word out 
that uh, get the vote out for, uh, and uh, of course they, uh, they were wanting you to vote for Mr. Trump and uh, whatever he stood for. And uh, so I, uh, I threw the letter in the trash can. Uh, they are entitled to their opinions. Uh, and uh, I remembered what uh, one of your former pastors, uh, who is now one of my pastors at Mabel Congregation, what he said last Sunday morning, one of the things that he uh, brought out. He had, uh, he's pretty good with history. And uh, so he uh, had some history from the Lancaster Mennonite Conference and uh, in 1800 there was a, an election that was contested about as fiercely as this one is uh, that we're looking forward to and uh, the uh, the men on the slate were John Adams and Tom Jefferson and and they were at each other and he read some of the things that they said about each other and it wasn't nice <laughs> And uh, <clears throat> Lancaster Conference uh, sent out a, uh, a plea to uh, their constituency to uh, vote for Mr. Adams. All kinds of terrible things were going to happen if they, if they uh, elected Mr. Jefferson. And I, uh, I couldn't hardly believe my ears, but, but that, that's right, that's what happened. Now, uh, when, uh, when they urged their people to vote for Mr. Adams and Mr. Jefferson was elected, uh, were they voting against the will of God? <laughs> were they asking their people to vote against the will of God? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Now, uh, let's... Uh, Let's leave that one be just a little bit. Uh, uh, I'd like to address three separate issues this morning in this message. And the first one is God's will. And the reason is uh, perfectly apparent. It's because of, uh, of uh, that directive from the Lancaster Conference. The second one is the Christian in politics. And uh, the third one is uh, the main point in my message, and I might not uh, make it the main point, but it's non-resistance. So, and those things are tied together, all right? And uh, maybe I can, <clears throat> maybe I can uh, keep them tied together. I hope so. First of all, God's will. The will of God. Uh, there are a number of <clears throat> scriptures that uh, speak to that. Uh, most of us are familiar with Romans 12 and the first couple of verses there. And uh, I'd like to read Romans 12 and verse 2. Should start at verse 1, but I won't. Verse 2 of Romans 12. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the, renew by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, prove, approve, 
What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Point number one is God's will is perfect. It's just as perfect as God is, okay? No, no deviation, no impurity, no nothing wrong with the will of God. It's perfect. It, it, the will of God, it's God's desire. What God approves of, what he wants. Now, uh, another thing about God's will. There, there is uh, one thing that stands out to me about God's will. And uh, it tells us a lot about God. And that is that God wants everyone to be saved. Not uh, everyone. Mr. Trump, he wants him to be saved. Uh, Mr. Biden, he wants him saved. There's nobody... Nobody. Once in a while, we get on the outs with somebody else or we uh, hear somebody spouting off and using every kind of invective that uh, ought not to be uttered in the mouth of man. God wants those people saved. One of the reasons that... Uh, our, in our Sunday school lesson this morning that uh, those men weren't afraid to speak after they'd been told to shut up and not say anything. They had been told to speak by God himself. And uh, God's will is that all man, mankind be saved. You can read that in uh, 1 Timothy 2.4 where it says, Who will have who? God will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Second uh, Peter three nine has a phrase in it, just almost the same. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God doesn't want anybody lost, not the worst among us. Now, the next thing is that uh, we have a choice. We can choose whether we're going to do what God wants us to do, or we can choose not to. It's, uh, it's up to us. We can choose God's will, or we can choose to do what we want to do and serve the devil. It's, uh, it's our choice. Now, uh, Calvinism, it's not really Calvinism. Uh, Calvin just uh, maybe refined it and taught a little more on it, and we use his uh, name with it, but uh, started a long time before Calvin. I uh, like to think of Augustine as uh, maybe one of the early teachers of it, and I'm guessing that probably Augustine might have gotten a little bit of it from other people. I don't know that, but but uh, Calvinism says uh, if you really get to uh, the the uh, hard line, Calvinism says that God controls every atom and every molecule. He's in complete control. 
everything. Now, uh, I believe that God can and sometimes does control every atom and molecule in some situations. But, but I believe that he delegates responsibility. I believe that some things uh, are, uh, we call some things amoral, meaning uh, they're neither right nor wrong, and I think there's a lot of that. Uh, we do a lot of things in a day that uh, are neither here nor there as far as God's will is concerned. There. But, but uh, there are some things that, uh, that God desires that are his will. And uh, we make some choices whether we're going to do that or not. Everything, though, that happens is not necessarily God's will. Now, uh, uh, apparently it was God's will that Mr. Jefferson be elected in that 1800 election, okay? Uh, now, uh, if we go back to Daniel and, and uh, we read about Nebuchadnezzar and his dream, and... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, in telling Daniel about the dream, he said, uh, God sets up whoever he will as king, even the lowest of men, the basest of men. God sets up whoever he wants to. And uh, I, I have a little bit of a question in how far that goes and and so on does uh, does God set up every uh, leader or does he allow certain things just to happen but but God is in control if he, if he wants to set up one he will he can do that it's in his prerogative and his power God has no limit to his power if he wants to control every atom and every molecule now uh, once again, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, every time that a leader is chosen that, that that was God's will. I know that there are some things that, there are a lot of things that, God, that people do that are not God's will, okay? Sin is not God's will. We know about that. All of us do. We've done some things that were not God's will. I have, and... Uh, I don't think I'm that, I want to judge you all. I don't think that I'm that much different than the rest of you, maybe. Uh, maybe I am, okay? If, if you want to believe that, that's all right. <clears throat> but, but there are some things that, uh, that are not God's will, okay, that happen. Now, uh, the, the next uh, point then, the next question is, how can we find God's will for our lives? How can we know what he wants us to do? And there are, there are some interesting scriptures when it comes to that one. In John 17, John 7 and verse 17, it says this, if any man will do his, God's will, he shall know of the doctrine. Christ was uh, in his uh, conflict with the Jewish leaders uh, 
and they were uh, accusing him of uh, false teaching and so on and and uh, saying his doctrine wasn't right and and he's he's replying to that he says if if any man will do his god's will he shall know of my doctrine i had admire there whether it be of god or whether i speak of myself now there's a critical point do we want to do what god wants us to do if we don't want to do what god wants us to do we're not going to know what god's will is is that what that scripture says I think that's what it's saying. If we want to know what God's will is for our lives, we're going to have to be willing to do what God wants us to do. We'll have to want to do God's will. If we don't want to do it, we'll miss it. And if we want to know God's will and it's not perfectly apparent to us, we need to pray. We need to ask God. And uh, maybe it still won't be. And maybe we can ask some godly people around us to help us out. And, uh, and maybe we'll just need to wait a little bit. That doesn't hurt sometimes. Might have to wait a long time sometimes. So, the, yeah, God wants us to know what his will is. His will is revealed in his word. And if, we, uh, if we're familiar with God's word and we're familiar with God, we have a connection like the vine and the branches. Uh, and if uh, we want to do what he reveals to us, uh, we'll find out what his will is. We won't go wrong. Now let's uh, turn from that one. That, that's good for uh, in this coming election okay <clears throat> let's think about uh, the Christian in politics now uh, I suppose uh, I, I uh, might ought to take a survey of how many of you read uh, Caleb Kreider's article in Lifelines on uh, politics it was a classic it was good and if you didn't read it, do so, by all means. But uh, John eighteen thirty six, Jesus answered. He was talking to Pilate. He was in front of Pilate. He was on trial. And he said this, My kingdom is not of this world. He said, I have a kingdom. He, he said, I have a kingdom, I, uh, and, and we're part of that kingdom here this morning. My kingdom is not of this world. And uh, one of the truths of uh, God's word is that that kingdom transcends all earthly kingdoms. The kingdom of God transcends all earthly kingdoms. Uh, I uh, one of the things that I uh, have been stressing uh, I don't preach very often anymore but one of the things that I stress 
when I do is that the, the spiritual transcends the earthly and the material. Always. How, how much more important is it? Incomparably more important. There, you can't compare the, how much above and higher the spiritual is than the, than the earthly and material. And in saying that, I'm not saying that the earthly is not important. I didn't say that at all. The earthly is important because it affects the spiritual, but the spiritual is transcendent. And God's kingdom is transcendent, just as much higher than the earthly kingdoms as the spiritual is above the earthly and the flesh. Now, we've established that. God, God, we're part of the, the transcendent kingdom. Our duty, going on now, our duty to our civil authority. And we know uh, what Romans uh, 13 says. Let's look at it right now and read it. Romans 13 and the first uh, seven verses. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. I thought about bringing my new King James Bible and because it clarifies one thing here for us. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Okay? The, the power word is the authority word here. For there is no authority but of God and the the authorities that be are ordained of God. They are put in place by God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, the, the authority, resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Several years ago, I was uh, going through Mount Jackson had a number of my grandchildren with me, and we had uh, I had taken them taken them uh, fishing, and uh, as we uh, came through Mount Jackson, I'm somewhat familiar with Mount Jackson because I live pretty close to it, and uh, right in the middle of Mount Jackson, there's a a little old brick church, and uh, I've attended services in that little old brick church because uh, many years ago. The Mount Jackson Mennonite Church met in that building, <clears throat> and uh, the the building sets right in a fork in the road, and uh, uh, main, the main highway is Route 11, goes uh, past the one side of the building, and on 
On the other side, there's a little side street goes back, and, and that little side street is uh, a shortcut to get to our place from Mount Jackson. So, so I take the side street. Now, uh, there's some streets come into this side street from the side, and uh, over the years, uh, there were no stop signs there, but uh, sometime along the way, they put a stop sign at one of those side streets. And don't you know, I, I knew that stop sign was there. I'd been through before, but I forgot about it that day, and I drove right through it, and a lawman saw me. Ooh. And, and uh, wasn't too long until he had me pulled over. And uh, so uh, I, the uh, re result was that I paid my fine. But uh, when this lawman uh, had uh, written me up and so on, he come he commended me and and thanked me for uh being submissive <laughs> uh easy to handle uh, we have some uh, we have some responsibility to our authorities one of those responsibilities is to take something like that the way we ought to. I know of another man over here at Dayton on the, one of the streets that's outside of town, might still be in the town limits, but there's a speed limit uh, that's the town uh, in, uh, might be 35 miles an hour, I don't remember, but uh, the man I'm thinking about got stopped for speeding, and uh, so he chose. Uh, there the, the wasn't any good reason that he could think of why they would have a speed limit like that, and he chose to contest uh, his ticket. And the judge told him uh, he he presented his case to the judge, and the judge told him, "Well, I won't add anything to your uh, fine." And uh, the man thought it was sad. He was a Mennonite, a brother in the faith, a Southeastern Conference man. I don't like to hear that. We have a responsibility to our rulers. They were put there for a reason. Maybe, uh, maybe the man had a, a case, maybe there shouldn't have been a speed limit there, but there was a speed limit there. And we have a responsibility to act like people of God's kingdom. We do. First Timothy 2, 1-4 Our responsibility to our leaders. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, 
for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the, unto the knowledge of the truth. That's our responsibility to those. It's pretty much in line with what Romans 13 says. Or you could go to Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and read the same thing again. So uh, let me, uh, not sure I got it with me now. Don't. I'd like to have a, a statement of faith and read to you what it says there about church-state relations. But one of the things that it says is that we're not to be involved in electioneering. Electioneering. You know what electioneering is? <laughs> Let me read you Webster's definition. To comp to com <laughs> pardon me, to canvas votes for or otherwise work for the success of a candidate, political party, etc., in an election. Our statement of faith says we don't do that. And, and there's a reason why we don't do that. I have just read to you the scriptures, that uh, some of the scriptures. There's a lot of them that, that uh, relate to it. We are in the transcendent kingdom. We are in a higher kingdom. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are working for him. Let's leave that one now and go on to non-resistance. Back to John 18:36, and I love this verse. The first part of it said, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. And then he said, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight to keep me from being delivered to the Jews. But he said, it, I don't have an earthly kingdom. He was telling Pilate, uh, I'm not a threat to the political kingdoms of this world. And he wasn't. You know what Pilate said? He went out and told the Jews, the man's not guilty. He's innocent. He's not guilty of the charges that you leveled against him. You know why the Jews leveled those charges? Because they didn't want to do the will of God. That's why. They didn't want to accept the fact that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. They didn't want to accept the fact that he had come to set up a transcendent kingdom. A kingdom that encompasses everybody in the whole world and that one of the worst of men to be saved and come to a knowledge. They didn't want to accept that. And so they couldn't see God's will there. And so they crucified him. Back to Matthew again now. Oh, no. Matthew 5. Those uh, verses of non-resistance. I'd like to read verses... Uh, 38 to 48. You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. 
Let me just comment here. Uh, the natural man, if, uh, if people get into a strife and one of them knocks a man's tooth out, the, the natural inclination is not to knock the other man's tooth out, but to knock his whole mouth full of teeth out if you can. Get angry. But the Old Testament restricted that. It said uh, if he knocked your tooth out, uh, he deserves to have one of his knocked out. But the transcendent kingdom says this. But I say unto you that you resist not evil or resist not the evil person, the evil man. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. You have heard that it hath been said, back to the Old Testament, the old law, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Uh, you won't find an exact quote in the Old Testament that says hate your enemy. Uh, at least I didn't. Haven't. I've uh, looked for it several times. But, but you find times when God said these people are to be destroyed. They didn't do what they should have done for you when you were coming out of Egypt. And Don't ever... Show mercy to them. That's in essence saying hate them. But Jesus said, You have heard it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Love your enemies. He said, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. And do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans. So be ye therefore perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Jesus said in this transcendent kingdom that I'm setting up, you're not to resist the evil person. That, that reaches pretty deep, pretty far. Goes way beyond the military duty. Reaches right into your everyday life. It reaches right to where you relate to the people around you. I uh, preached several sermons over the years and might have preached it here about uh, controlling the heat, controlling your anger is what it was about. And God has some good instructions there, but, but our tendency is to get angry when people use us, misuse us, and so on. I know about that. So do you. But, but the instruction here is resist not the evil person.
That's non, That's where our uh, word non-resistance comes from. We, uh, at least in word, we expect our people to, to live that way. And, uh, and if we're living according to God's will, that's the way we will live. It's not easy. In Matthew, the 10th chapter, turn with me there. <clears throat> oh, time flies. Matthew 10, verse 16 says this. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Sheep among wolves. What's the picture you get from sheep among wolves? The picture I get is vulnerability. They are vulnerable. We... Jesus said, I send you. Uh, now, now, the 10th chapter, he, he's telling his disciples. He's uh, giving them instructions. But then, by the 16th verse, he begins a section in which it's reaching a whole lot further than the disciples, okay? Look at it. If you don't believe it, read it. You know it. He said, I send you. And he's sending me like a sheep among wolves. And that leaves me vulnerable. Vulnerable. Doesn't, uh, doesn't leave me any defense at all. On my own. No defense of the flesh. Uh, verse 40. No, that's not the one I want. 24 and 25. The disciple is not above his master. This is still in the same passage now. Uh, chapter 10, the instructions for, in this case, for us. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? My understanding is that Beelzebub was uh, an idol of one of the neighboring tribes, kingdoms. Uh, sort of, sort of a idol thing or a demon thing, whatever. But, but the verses say the disciple is to be like Jesus. That that's what we're to be like. And what was he like? When, uh, when they tried to trap him with uh, political things, uh, they couldn't do that. He wouldn't get involved in politics, no way, shape, or form. Uh, he was not a nationalistic person. Uh, he didn't come to set up an earthly kingdom. He came to set up a heavenly kingdom. 
They, uh, in John chapter 6, he fed uh, those 5,000 people. They said, man, ooh, we need a man like this that can take care of our every need. Uh, we want him for a king. And Jesus realized that they were going to take him by force, it says, and make him a king, and he withdrew. That was not in his agenda. That was not in his plan. He came to set up a transcendent kingdom, a higher kingdom. That's the one that we're we're to be like him, like him. Some more. Verse 19. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak. That is, when they take you to the law. Take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not you that speak, but the spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Uh, I said we're left vulnerable. In the flesh, we're vulnerable. No defense. But when uh, you can read it in Martyr's Mirror, you can read it most uh, if you want to read the history of uh, God's people, you will find that uh, they were hard to trap by their enemies. They had a wisdom that their enemies couldn't withstand. It was not their wisdom. It's not our wisdom. We have God's wisdom to take care of us in, in situations like that. It's, it's God himself that can do that Going to verse 26 now. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what you hear in the ear, that preach you upon the housetops. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Down to verse 38. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Vulnerable. Sheep among wolves. But, but our defense is Jesus Christ. Our defense is God himself, the Holy Spirit. We don't have to worry. Uh, I like the way Luke says it. Said, uh, some of you they'll kill. And then uh, a verse or two further he says, never mind about that. Not a hair of your head will perish. Time for me to quit. One more thing. <laughs> <clears throat> I enjoy, I have enjoyed uh, 
relating to some Christians in Guatemala, some in Haiti. I understand that there's probably more dedicated Christians in the land of China than there is in the U.S. I, I actually believe that's probably true. Now, uh, uh, I sometimes go to church with a man who is not non-resistant. And uh, I don't understand how a person could hold the, the idea that he could be a part of the military and uh, follow our government's instructions to go and kill people. We have these uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord in other countries. And uh, if, uh, if I were uh, compelled by the government to go and fight in the military, we believe that we should not do that, won't do that. But if, if I did, and, and that other country has uh, my brothers and sisters uh, serving in their army, and I kill one of them, and I'm guiltless. Furthermore, if uh, they're evil men, absolutely irreconcilably evil, and I kill one of them, I pronounce judgment on him, and he's never going to have a chance to repent. Jesus said, the evil man, he said, love your enemies. He said, I send you out as sheep amongst wolves. His will is that we be part of a transcendent kingdom. So we have a song.